Cameron, you remember him from Growing Pains, is on his Love Worth Fighting For marriage tour. And he's advising that wives be submissive to their husbands. But not to worry, ladies. We'll rip the sheets off that one tonight here on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. I am Maureen McGrath. I'm a registered nurse in the area of sexual health. I'm a blogger, a researcher, a clinician, a future TEDx Stanley Park talker on May 28th. And now I can actually finally say an author. Uh, My book went to print this week and uh, I've changed the name (laughs) to protect the innocent and the guilty. And believe me, there are some guilty ones in there. Uh, the name is now Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come with the Other. This is a sex show. Listener discretion is advised. So please put the children to bed unless they're old enough to learn about some of the subjects we're talking about. Well, one of them is finances. And finances is something that is outstanding. Uh, it's excellent for you to teach that to your children because it is the most contentious issue in a relationship. And it even tops sex, if you can believe it. Well, thanks for the tax deadline being on a weekend. Those of us who are bad at finances, we got a couple of extra days to use that yellow marker, finding deductions all over the place, filing your corporate, your personal, your U.S., all of the taxes. I finally got a great bookkeeper, and I'm delighted uh, because the other ones were all stealing money from me. No, they actually weren't. I'm kidding. But um, they, they, they could have, and I never would have noticed. That's how bad I am. But um, this one's excellent, and I keep writing notes to this bookkeeper saying, please don't leave me. And uh, and then my bookkeeper writes back and says, no, no, I won't leave you. I'm I'm actually the worst client. And the person who referred me to her I said, thank you so much for referring me to this new bookkeeper. And she said, um, funny, she doesn't say the same <laughs> about getting you. Anyway, and she won't. But I'm working on it. And all you can do is try. And uh, finances are a big, hot issue in a marriage. And it's because we come from different places um, around it, perhaps. Uh, you were, maybe were raised with somebody who was extremely organized about finances, paid their bills, lived within their means. Or you maybe lived with somebody who wanted to make it appear as though you had more and you perhaps lived outside your means, you you cared what the Joneses thought. And uh, anyway, that's never good. Anyway, Matt, nice to see you tonight here. Welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks for having me back. My board op here, Matt Hyland. Thanks so much. Always, uh, I'll have you back anytime there, Matt. <laughs> Finances for you, are they an issue or? I uh, just talk to mom and dad sometimes about that (laughs) now that i'm a student (laughs) oh right yes you're you're bleeding them yes (laughs) needing needing money i see the bank of dad is a lot more friendly than any other bank i've been to exactly yes so that's good well anyway it's um hopefully you appreciate that and you'll pay the money back to them and uh Learn about finance. It's always better to be in control of your own finances. You know, make your own money. Be your. That's why I'm going back to school. Excellent. Are you going for a financial? um, Are you in for? No, I'm I'm in radio school. (laughs) That's what I thought, but I didn't know if you're doing a master's on the side or something. Anyway, (laughs) all right. Well, that's good. So yes, get your finances in order. It's a great feeling. Anyway, mine are almost done. Uh, I'm so bad at it. I was at the tellers one. uh, I mean, at the bank one day, and I said to the tellers, "If I ever won the millions." I would, um, they, I said, I'm terrible at financing. And, and they all, four of them in unison said, we know. These are your bank tellers telling you that they know how bad I am. And I said, if I ever won the millions, which I never will because I never buy those tickets, 
I would get a pool boy. <laughs> I didn't even say I'd get a, another accountant or somebody to open my mail and file things for me. No, no. And they were all saying, we want to come over. But, of course, I'd need a pool first. But obviously, I would just be spending more money, which is one of my favorite things to do. And it's not good. Anyway, because it can lead to chronic pain, emotional pain. But that's not the kind of chronic pain we're going to be talking about. Chronic pain is also a huge issue that affects intimacy and relationships. And a doctor who was reprimanded by the College of Physicians and Surgeons for over-prescribing narcotics and opioids shares his story and is now on a mission to educate the public and healthcare workers about the tools that exist to reduce over-prescribing. Dr. Lawrence Yang joins me. Well, I told you that uh, Kirk Cameron, a former uh, sitcom star, is now on a marriage tour where he is suggesting that women should be submissive and not try to help their husbands improve. I mean, everybody grows and develops and wants to improve, and I'm not sure what kind of message is that, uh, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on if you think that your uh, wife or wives should be submissive. We can talk about that a little bit later in the program. He has some other advice that isn't so bad, but um, uh, anyway, this is certainly to... well to invoke a lot of anger in a lot of women. But uh, tonight we're going to address the anger in men. Yes, apparently anger in men is a thing. I hear about it very frequently in my clinical practice. And one of the most common things I hear is that women will say he gets so angry at me or he gets so angry at the children and then he wants to have sex. And so it's kind of a bit of a no-brainer. You're not going to have sex. So uh, doctor, not doctor, he should be a doctor, doctor of anger. Uh, Alistair Moose joins me. He is the owner and president at Moose Anger Management. He joins me to talk about some strategies that men can use to reduce your angry approach to life and have more sex and apparently have better sex. Uh, also going to be catching up with Sean Seal on my progress at the gym, and it's just gotten that much better because he brought me a really cool t-shirt so I'm sure I'm going to be lifting even more weight than I was before I'll be up to six pounds in no time Uh, we're also going to talk about the stupid things people do with weights and at the gym okay I've had a couple of emails about some of the porn shows that I've suggested in the past so ladies this one is for you I'm going to talk about some of the porn that women enjoy, some of the softer porn, some of the good story. So stay tuned for that in the second hour. I kind of get a little bit more risque as the night goes on. Anyway, that's always a fun way to be. I, of course, have a gift for you and would love to hear from you about any questions you have or any issues you're dealing with in your relationship or if your wife is not submissive but submissive enough and you're getting really angry about it, give me a call. The lines are open. The number to call is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Don't I seem like the submissive type? Anyway, uh, (laughs) definitely. Uh, So it's always a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, every Sunday evening live, and I welcome your emails. I love your emails and your questions. And uh, Matt had a great suggestion, which I actually have thought of in the past. I must confess to you, Matt, um, you suggested after I read you one of the emails that I got tonight, 
Uh, and you suggested I just write a book of all the emails that I've gotten. It would be a top number one seller <laughs> within a week, guaranteed. I don't even have to write a word. I just write the emails in you there. You just copy and paste. That's it. That is it. It'll be the easiest book written, and, and they are self-explanatory, all of them. And then you're just like, are you on crack? Really? Oh, you just asked the city's expert to have a threesome. Do you know how many of those I get? Like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> No, thank you. Anyway, not- I'll never look at roast beef the same way after the email you read to me before uh, you started. And so you shouldn't. <laughs> not bringing us joy in life, is it, Matt? <laughs> anyway, well, it's great to be here with you. I look forward to hearing from you. If you want to win my little prize package. I hope you put the children to bed. So I'm not going to describe what's in my little prize package tonight, but there's something for him and there's something for her and something for everybody in that package. Something for a threesome is in this package, if that's what you like. Anyway, so when I come back, I am most excited about uh, my first guest. It is Lisa Andre. She is a genetic counselor. She joins me tonight to talk about a new comprehensive, non-invasive prenatal test to put your mind at ease about the health of your unborn baby. I'm Maureen McGrath. You Welcome back. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I am Maureen McGrath. I host this show. I'm a registered nurse in sexual and reproductive health. I'm a clinician, a blogger, an author. <laughs> Say that with the most literary license, the most... Uh, exaggerated literary license ever. Anyway, uh, the stories are about you in my book, which will be out in May. Uh, So anyway, if you want to give me a call about any of the subjects we're talking about, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. I'll say it slower, star 9898 on your cell. You can also win my little love package. I will describe what's in there to you very shortly. So in the studio now, I'm honored to have with me a genetics counselor, uh, Lisa Andre, and we're going to talk about a non-invasive prenatal test that will help you to put your mind at ease around the health of your unborn baby. Welcome to the studio, Lisa. Great to see you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm excited to talk about this test because I think it is so valuable, and I think a lot of women, pregnant women and or couples worry uh, unnecessarily often about the health of their unborn baby. And so now there is the panorama test. So tell me, what is the panorama test? Well, the panorama test is a test that's done on pregnant women. It's a blood test. And the blood test actually looks at the baby's DNA that's in the mother's blood. And so it can identify whether a woman is at risk for having a baby with a chromosome problem like Down syndrome. That's one of the most common ones that, that a lot of people worry about, exactly. isn't it? Yes. Exactly. Now, the benefits of this versus something like amniocentesis is that this is done early. So how early is the panorama test done? It's and this done, is a blood test, a simple yes, blood test. Yes, yes. It's done at nine, nine weeks, which is great. It's one test, and you get the results in less than a week. Which is fantastic mm-hmm. because with amnio, often you have to wait two and a half to three weeks. And that's when the tests are normal, so they don't even have... The abnormal tests get an earlier result, but people who usually have a normal test, they don't notify them for the two and a half, three weeks. They let it go through the system, and people can worry unnecessarily, and that may impact their own health and the health of their baby even further. 
Right. Plus, with uh, with Panorama, there's no risk of miscarriage, and with Amnio, there is a risk of miscarriage. Of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this is much simpler, non-invasive, mm-hmm. as you say, except for a simple blood test. Mm-hmm. Um, so why would a woman, why would a pregnant woman want to do Panorama versus an amniocentesis, for example? Well, one thing you mentioned was reducing anxiety. I mean, that's one of the doctors we work with calls it the anxiety-reducing test. And it helps women uh, feel better during their pregnancy. And it makes it less likely that they're going to need to do an amniocentesis. Which is nice. And a lot of women have, are having babies later on in life these days, after the age of 35. We're seeing, I know one of the local community hospitals, the average age is 38 years old of a prime up, of a uh, mom who's having her first baby. Um, so we have a lot of elderly prime ups out there having babies at 38, 39, 40, 42. A lot of people with fertility issues. So definitely... Um, so what are some of the things that the panorama test can tell women? So it's looking specifically at chromosome abnormalities and looking for your risk um, for those chromosome abnormalities. We already mentioned Down syndrome, but it actually tests for other chromosome abnormalities as well that are rare. It looks for some abnormalities that are much more serious and can cause multiple birth defects and also looks for other abnormalities which are less serious but can cause a range of birth defects, learning problems, infertility as well. And uh, what would some of those be like? I know when some of the microdeletion um, concerns such as Prader-Willi, that's probably the most commonly known. So it can detect Prader-Willi. And women who are 20 years of age have the same degree of risk as a woman who's 45 years of age and having a, a baby if, in something like Crudishat or Prader-Willi syndrome. Exactly. So the test also can, this is an optional add-on for women, but it can look for microdeletions. And what those are, are small pieces of the DNA that are missing. And you can have different effects depending on which piece is missing. And you mentioned Prader-Willi, which can cause severe mental retardation and other problems. And you're right, this the risk of microdeletions is the same regardless of what age you're, you're at. So it's certainly important to test for in younger women and older women as well. Absolutely. And how is Panorama different than other maternal blood tests that test for Down syndrome, something a lot of women worry needlessly about? Right. Well, one of the biggest differences is the accuracy. Panorama is so much more accurate than these other blood tests. And these other blood tests have a higher chance that they're going to say something's wrong with the baby when everything's fine or the opposite, say, oh, everything's fine when there's actually a problem. That's right. And then we have needless worry once again, only sort of the opposite needless worry, which can cause a lot more visits to the doctor, uh, maybe some more health problems and um, negativity, and it may increase somebody's depression if they have antenatal depression. Um, so the accuracy is important. Um, so some of the other tests I understand look at the proteins versus the actual uh, DNA. Yeah, is so that- that's the big difference. So we're looking specifically at the fetal DNA, and the chromosomes are made up of DNA. So we're actually looking at the source of the problem versus the other blood tests that are looking at proteins that can sometimes be higher or lower if there's a problem. But again, it's sort of an indirect measure, these other tests, and, and not, not accurate. That's sure. right. And I would say go to the root of the problem, which is excellent. Exactly. So exactly. how is a lot of women, well, most women, will have an ultrasound during their pregnancy. So how is Panorama different than ultrasound during pregnancy? So we still strongly recommend doing an ultrasound because the ultrasound provides different information than Panorama. 
as we mentioned, panorama looks at the chromosomes, whereas the ultrasound is going to look for structural problems. So it'll look at things like the heart, look at the arms and the legs, and of course, it's really fun <laughs> to do the ultrasound as well. It's yes. fun, really enjoyable. So ultrasound is a great complement to panorama. And that's done at 18 to 20 weeks during the gestation. Right. You probably will have period. a couple of ultrasounds, but you really want to do an 18 to 20 week ultrasound because at that time you can really see um, the baby quite well. That's right. And how does panorama differ from amniocentesis, which we talked about, and CVS, which is a little bit more of an accurate test done a little bit earlier than amniocentesis? Right. So, so amniocentesis and CVS, yes, they're more accurate tests for looking at chromosome problems. But the downside with these tests is there's a risk of miscarriage associated with them. That's right. And that would be, oh, so for a woman who's had uh, a couple of miscarriages or several miscarriages, that's of great, that would be of great concern for her. Right. And a lot of women really that, that I talk to are really trying to reduce their chance of having an amniocentesis or CVS. There's a risk of miscarriage, plus it feels invasive to them. With the amnio, you're going in with the needle. That's and right. And with the CVS, you're, you're taking some of the placenta tissues, placental tissue out. So it can be a very emotional, stressful experience for women as well to have those tests. Absolutely. Uh, but if you have a positive panorama result... Would you want to go on and have an amniocentesis or a CVS, which yes. is done earlier? Yes, we would definitely recommend doing a follow-up. If there's a positive panorama, doing a follow-up amniocentesis or CVS, even though panorama is extremely, extremely accurate, sometimes um, you it may be not correct. And so you really want to follow up with amniocentesis or CVS. Okay. And so um, this panorama is not just for older women, is it? This test. No. It's no. for women of all ages. Exactly. And so would they talk to their health care provider about um, having this test organized? Yes, definitely talk to your health care provider. And uh, the reason we recommend it for younger women and also older women is actually most babies with Down syndrome are born to younger mothers. So it's important exactly. for them to get that information. And, uh, it's and that's partly because more younger women are pregnant than older exactly. women, right? It's really exactly. a numbers game. Exactly. Uh, so what are some of the limitations of the panorama? So right now we don't do panorama for twins. And the reason we don't do that is we don't believe that the NIPT tests in general are accurate enough for twins. And so we want to make sure that the results are just as accurate for twins before we start offering it. So that's one one limitation. The other is we don't do it for egg donors. Mm -hmm. We don't do it for when there's been a surrogate, and we also don't do it when there's been a bone marrow transplant. Because that can impact the accuracy, exactly. all of that. But mm -hmm. the good news is we're working to overcome those limitations. Excellent. How about something like vanishing twin? Uh, can Panorama discover vanishing twin? Yeah, and so that's one of the big differences between Panorama mm -hmm. and all the other NIPT tests out there. We can actually identify vanishing twin. Now, vanishing twin is when there's been a twin that's, that's died in the pregnancy. Yes. And that DNA actually stays in the mother's bloodstream. So when you do one of the other tests, you can actually get an incorrect result when you have vanishing twin. Absolutely. But with Panorama... 
we're only looking at the fetal DNA. So we actually can discover vanishing twin, and we're not going to have that risk of inaccuracy with vanishing twin. One of the other questions I um, wanted to ask, it uh, it reduces anxiety, but it also may prompt decision-making for couples. And it may be a difficult decision, or they may be more prepared for babyhood. Correct? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so how does somebody get a panorama test done? So it's very easy. The first step, as you might have guessed, is you get pregnant, yes. of course. Yes. <laughs> have sex, then get pregnant. Yes. Exactly. And so have sex again. that may be yes. the easier, the hard part. Yes. <laughs> but after that, it's it's really quite easy. You go to your doctor, he gives you an order form, mm-hmm. and you take that into a Life Labs or BC Bio. They take your blood, and your doctor is going to get the results in All right. about a week. And the best source is the website is? So lifelabsgenetics.com will give you tons of information. Okay, and how much does this cost? After so all? it's five fifty for the basic test, mm-hmm. and if you add the microdeletions in, it can be up to seven ninety five. Thank you, Lisa, so much. It's been great having you in the studio. Lifelabsgenetics.com for your NIPT test. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome me back to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I'm Maureen McGrath. I'm hosting this show. It's all about sex and education and love and life and losing your temper. No, really, just lose your temper because our world would be a whole lot better if you did. Joining me in the studio is Alistair Moose. He is the owner at Moose Anger Management. And uh, he's coined the phrase, lose your temper. He turns anger into, well, he helps you to consciously explore your anger. Alistair, it's great to have you in the studio. It's great to be here. Thanks, Thanks. Maureen. Thanks for coming in. We've actually never met before, except when I was screaming out the window, hey, Alistair, <laughs> at Park Royal or something. Yep. And you did recognize me by my voice. You had no idea who I was, but <laughs> I do remember most people recognize me by my voice. If I don't open my mouth, nobody recognizes mm-hmm. me. <laughs> But the second I opened my mouth, and the problem is I never stopped talking, so that's a problem. Everybody recognizes me. But anyway, great to have you here. This is a big issue in relationships. Mm -hmm. It's tied to uh, lack of sex. A lot of men come into my clinical practice, and they complain that they're not getting enough sex or they're not getting great sex. They want more sex, better sex. Then when I meet the partner often, and this is just my experience, uh, in this realm, uh, I meet the the partner. The partner will say he's so angry, he loses his temper. I can't stand it. It's a turnoff for me. I he loses it over nothing. Um, he's controlling. He may be financially controlling, and another reason to scream at me. He screams at the children, and any mother is like a mother bear. Anybody who's had children will protect their children from anybody screaming at them, and that's not healthy for children. So. You've been doing this for 20 years, and you have programs, individual programs, group programs, and all over Richmond, Burnaby, North Van. Mm-hmm. So uh, what's the secret? I mean, the, even I mentioned this on the air on Friday for five minutes on the Linda Steele Show, and I received so many emails and messages about this male anger thing. This is a thing, because a lot of women are ashamed by it. Well, they're embarrassed. They're embarrassed for their husband's or their partner, male partner's behavior, because often they cannot turn off the anger in public either. They can't discipline themselves or control themselves to not scream at a woman in public. So what do you think, and how do you do it, and what are the the strategies? Well, I, I think the women are embarrassed. They are. 
they're feeling ashamed and I think the man is also actually feeling ashamed but he's less likely to speak about it like I think the important thing is that people actually have these conversations because everybody's feeling it uh, every year in uh, Canada the percentage of people with hypertension high blood pressure goes up another tick amazing so people are feeling this pressure and it's coming out somewhere and if people speak about it and start to have conversations then the possibility for change happens sometimes couples cannot even speak about it one will shut down and the other will scream or go on mm -hmm. and on and on and on just at a person and their brain likely will shut down whoever they're at and each of them is likely pretty pissed off about things and so some of the best results we have are when the man attends the men's group and the woman attends the women's group, then they're much more likely to get on the same page and practice really stepping back and gaining some perspective and looking at their own stuff. Because the easy thing is to look at the other person and to of blame course. and to see what they're doing. It takes a lot more courage and a lot more maturity to step back and look at ourselves uh, especially at the things that we've done that we're embarrassed about, looking at our shame, our pain, our fear, or our fear of loneliness. What's the anger? Where is that anger rooted in? Well, I think part of it is often rooted in the past. For instance, uh, if you were parented a certain way, the most likely thing is that you're going to parent exactly the same or completely opposite. Right. And so even if it's completely opposite, it's still directed by whatever happened to us and whatever's happening currently. Often when people come to see me, uh, somebody's died within the last year, they've moved, maybe they've moved jobs or they lost a job. Losing a job is huge for men, is it yes. not? And also starting a new job or starting a company or running oh, their own company yeah. is also massive for men. Women See. tend not to worry about either one of those things so much. I think women have more opportunity to be in the service industry, <laughs> and so there's yeah. more chance that they'll at least get something. Well, and so in the U.S., every time the unemployment rate goes up, the mortality rate goes up. Even the infant mortality rate goes up. The incarceration rate goes up. And it's not that all these men are out killing people, but... Uh, a certain percentage of those men will respond with some dignity and they'll work harder. They'll feel the shame. They'll feel terrible about themselves because they're not making enough money or they're unemployed. And they'll do what they need to do. There's some maturity in that. But another significant percentage will respond in a reactive, immature way. They'll drink, they'll drug, they'll cheat, they'll run away. And so the overall health in families will deteriorate. That's why more people die. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, interesting you brought up drinking. So does drinking fuel anger generally? Can it? I think it, it plays a role in it, certainly. Now, there uh, are happy drunks, let me say. I love drunks. happy drunks. <laughs> and I know that uh, one year somebody took all the statistics across Canada for when there was a domestic violence call. Mm-hmm. And they looked at the paperwork, the police uh, completed for these calls. 85% of them, alcohol had an impact. Sometimes that impact was that the person was uh, drunk. Sometimes they were hungover. But alcohol played a significant role 
and most of the time when there was violence. Because they don't feel well. The hangover bit is they don't feel well the next day. They're in pain. They're in pain from the alcohol or from the emotional pain or both? Both. But when, when the alcohol is involved, people will be more likely to act out of character. They're more likely to act without that inner uh, editing machine we have where we think things through. Right. But a lot of guys don't think things through. They're impulsive, and they just blast off at the mouth, and they cannot control that response, whether it be at work or in the home or on the street. And ultimately, they're acting in a way that's not true to who they really are. Because I believe when we're we're true to who we are, we are connected with our heart, we're connected with our intelligence, we, we think things through, and we're connected emotionally but to how about, the other person as how well about, as ourselves. How about that low self-esteem piece, that where guys don't feel yeah, good about shame. themselves? And they, you know, women can talk to each other about, and, and we do. And guys tend to be very alone with it. And yet it's rampant. I mean, it's common, if not rampant, in in men at different times of their lives. Yeah, well, and we all feel shame and work with it in one way or another. And we can respond to feeling shame by speaking about it. But if it's kept a secret, the the more shame there is, the more reactive the person tends to be, the more dramatic they tend to be, the more defensive and uh, blaming. So the more secretive their shame is. Yes. It plays a bigger role. When it's exposed, when you put it all out there. When you say, I'm ashamed about this, and you you let it go. I'm afraid. You release your pain. I'm ashamed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I, I hurt. I'm worried about this or that. When we can put that out there, uh, with some maturity, right? We're not collapsing under the under, under the weight of it all. Uh, even through tears, we can do that and look at somebody and face them. And then, in effect, we're facing our shame, and then we can do something with it. Whereas if it stays hidden, then people will never face it, and it, that, that shame will run them. And does it matter what age a person is? You know, at thirty well, I, or forty, I think we or all 50. become a two-year-old or a three-year-old yes. if that runs us. And this ability we have to, I think, connect to a younger place in us serves us well if we're uh, dealing with a two or a five or a ten-year-old. We can connect to that young part in us, but in those moments, it's like the adult is still fully present. It's safe, whereas when we're losing it, it's like. The adult in us leaves the building, leaving this young player in charge of us who is emotionally ill-equipped to deal with our partner sexually or intimately or whatever the emotion, you know, the, the moment is because they're emotionally ill-equipped from that place in them to deal with the complexity of an adult life. And then the adult returns to the room and wants sex. Is that it? <laughs> Then they come, you know, this is what I hear from a lot of women. Afraid, wanting to reconnect and not knowing what to do because they haven't spoken about it. And sometimes, you know, the sometimes that's that's mutual. It isn't always just the guy oh, no, being absolutely. that toward the woman. Certainly we, we run women's groups and we have we you know, we hear about both sides, but it's 
is certainly the stereotype, and the, uh, it's more typical of men because women are more likely to have the experience of having these conversations, or some conversations at least. Right, and to release their pain and their shame, even through speaking to. And often I hear from people, or or it's been said, men who, or, or people who have are verbally abusive, um, emotionally abusive, financially controlling, or physically abusive. It's to the person they love the most, the person Definitely. they're closest to. What is that about? Well, the the people that we love the most, those bring up the most emotions. That's where the biggest threat is of the, uh, of the relationship ending, of them uh, potentially cheating. So if we get really wrapped up in that young, needy part of us and our partner is out later and their cell phone dies, right. it's a much bigger threat right. if, you know, the, the more we care and if we haven't really taken a good look at all of this within ourselves so that we can, we can get to know this. Exactly. It's almost like we can parent ourselves if we notice that needy, young, young uh, part of us. Toddler. Toddler, definitely. <laughs> exactly. And then we can soothe that part of us. All right. I want um, you to. I want you to stay in the studio, and uh, we're going to talk about some of the strategies to soothe that screaming toddler with Alistair Moose of Moose Anger Management. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. We're talking about anger with Alistair Moose of Moose Anger Management, anger of men, but it doesn't just occur in men. Women get angry too, and Alistair holds groups for women as well. Alistair, what are some of the more common things you see with women who get angry? Um, what, what are, how do they differ from men? How do, how do they come to see you? Women are more reluctant to phone us up. Really? I need a therapist. <laughs> if you're an angry man, then what comes to mind? Right? Even powerful can come to mind. But if you say angry woman, right. what word comes to mind? It right? begins and with a B. And it's not powerful. <laughs> no. Right? And so women typically need to take up more courage to come in, and they and they think, oh, my God, what's this group of women going to be like? They're... Right. angry group of women. Ex-cons. I mean, even for women, it sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but they come into the group and they find, wow, this is a really nice group of women. Same with the men's groups. The people that come tend to be those that care enough about those around them to actually do something, right. to take the courage up to actually face all of this. But for women, you know, typically they've been raised to be emotional in other ways, but not anger. Exactly. So, so just stepping into the room, we get a really courageous group of women coming our way, and uh, it's awesome. Wow. Now, when we were off air, I was telling you that uh, some of the men in my clinical practice, you know, I work in some of the higher socioeconomic areas of this uh, uh, of the lower mainland, and, uh, you know, some of these men, are they have it all. I mean, they have millions. You know, if, if money brought happiness, it's certainly not demonstrated <laughs> in mm-hmm. my clinical practice. Uh, some people have everything and then some very successful and, uh, but have this anger problem. 
and also seeking more and more and more. If I just had this, I, then I would be happy. Then I would stop yelling. If I just had that, then I, if I just had sex six times a week, then I would be, then it would be fine. And, uh, I would stop yelling then. I would be happy then. I'm not happy. That seems to be the common uh, theme. But but anger doesn't discriminate. It's the highly successful people as... Well, and and ultimately, whether it's male or female, uh, each person needs to step into a lot of vulnerability. And that that takes a lot of courage and uh, some real drive. Like somebody who really wants to change what they're doing with the people that they love needs to look at all of what they're doing themselves and become really open about it. And it's only when they can really open up about this that they can change how they're uh, responding to it rather than just reacting when that emotion rises up, when they feel that constriction in their chest, when they feel all the tension, that that wave uh, of emotion or that heat rising up the more aware we are of all of the different things that happen, the more aware we are of those thoughts where we say you always or you never, Right. those absolute terms. If we've taken the time to really get to know that in ourselves, then we can have gained some perspective and step back and really like those can be like this red flag where we know that we need to stop and step back and do something to bring our heart rate down. But they don't know how to stop, and you're going to help that. And you've also brought me these lovely books, very valuable books called Lose Your Temper, A Conscious Exploration of Anger by you and Alejandro Prano, and Transforming Anger into Growth by the same authors, Healing Anger. And so if you are an angry man out there, or a courageous angry man who dares to be vulnerable, and you want these and you want to help yourself, you can email me, Sex talk at cknw.com. And, and, and that's the women's. Oh, this is the women's one. Book. Okay, one is for women, one is for men. There I go, discriminating again, thinking it's all men, and it's not. I know that. <laughs> uh, so one is for women, and one is for men. So you can email me, sex talk at cknw.com. These are very valuable books to help you to heal your anger. We're just going to go to a break, and then I'm going to come back and ask you the three best strategies to move from anger to healing. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. You're listening to the CKNW. Welcome back. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I'm Maureen McGrath, and I have I have Alistair Moose in the studio with me from Moose Anger Management. Get your anger under control and lose your temper. Uh, so, Alistair, uh, it's been great talking to you about anger in men and women. And so, what are some of the the best three steps to move to from anger to vulnerability to healing? Uh, your anger, would you say, to initiate? When we uh, have people complete evaluations at the end of the group, Mm -hmm. usually somebody says, the most important thing I learned was that breathing exercise. Mm -hmm. And so just stopping and breathing. I had a guy who would lose it every day. Mm -hmm. And he came in one day and he says, now I stop and I rate everything on a scale of 1 to 10 in a minute or an hour or a day or a year, how much is this really going to matter to me? Right. Most things, somewhere around one. Yeah. So th- that seems to be the biggest thing. So breathe. Just breathing. Rating. And rating, stepping back. Yeah. And connecting, staying connected to the fact that you love this person. Yeah. If you can stay connected to 
your heart to what really matters to you, mm -hmm. then we're much less likely to hurt those we really care about. And my little tip is don't take life so darn seriously. Yeah. <laughs> but how do people get in touch with you, Alistair? Um, our website at uh, angerman.ca, and we run over 20 groups a year for men, for women. We have a small team of counselors, and we see... Uh, about 500 people a year. So, And congratulations, you're having a banner year We're this year, I understand. Year That's ever. fantastic. Thank you so much, Alistair. Obviously, this conversation has to continue. You've got to come back and see me. It's a, been a pleasure. <laughs> All right, thank you so much. That is angerman.ca. If you want help with your anger, I'm more, or and email me sextalk at cknw.com. Oh, you can um, email me, sextalk at cknw.com, if you want to uh, pick up one of these books. The book for the men is Lose Your Temper, A Conscious Exploration of Anger. This by Alistair Moose and Alejandra Prano. And for the ladies out there that lose their cool, and there are some of us, <laughs> for sure, uh, and, and anger is a... It's a it's a healthy emotion. It can be a healthy emotion, uh, and it, but women are taught never to be angry because if we are appear angry, then we are automatically called a bitch. Can I say that on the air? I'm not sure, but I just did anyway. Um, and and so that makes us feel even worse, and it may not be appropriate, and it may be more frustrating as well. So getting angry, you know. I know there are people who don't actually even express their anger, too afraid to express their anger, and that can be a problem as well. So the book for the ladies is Transforming Anger into Growth, Healing Anger, again, by Alistair Moose and Alejandro Pirano. The website is angerman.ca or www.healinganger.ca as well. You can go there. So uh, coming up in the next hour of the now two-hour sex show, I have Sean Seal. He'll be joining me to talk about the stupid things <laughs> you do, or I do, in the gym and some of my progress. Well, I've definitely been gaining weight at breakneck speed, and uh, so that's depressing. But uh, And it's definitely not muscle. I'm hungrier, and that just doesn't seem to go away. Also, I'm going to be talking about narcotic prescriptions, a doctor who has been reprimanded by the College of Physicians and Surgeons, joins me to talk about some strategies on how to decrease those prescriptions, the amount of those prescriptions, and also how it's fueling that fentanyl issue out there on the streets and in the homes, uh, that, that big fentanyl drug problem we're having here in Vancouver and British Columbia and all over Canada. Really, um, it's the, the newest drug, so... I look forward to learning about that. And some of you have emailed me about some of the porn suggestions that I've made in the past. And so I'm going to uh, build upon those and uh, talk about a little soft porn for women. And also, should women be submissive in their marriage? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. <laughs> 